Welcome to Stardisms, where we take great ideas and bring them together to have great conversations. Today, we're joined by Giles Paley Phillips, who is not only an award-winning author of children's books, but also a co-host and producer of the award-nominated Blank Podcast, where they get together with well-known people and discuss those frustrating pain points we all experience throughout life. He also has a new book coming out soon around the ideas discussed on the Blank Podcast. Welcome, Giles. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You are my second biggest Twitter follower. Who's who's the first? It's weird, but Barry Obama follows me. Does he? Yeah, but I don't know why. I think there's a Kevin Monk who works with Dave Chappelle, and I know that there's a close community there. Mm. I know Dave Chappelle's big, he's a friend of uh, Barack Obama. So I think he might have confused me with the Kevin Monk who works on Dave Chappelle's but show. But man, you've got direct link now. You can yeah. sort of DM, you can actually directly message him. Like. I am. I'm going to slide Absolutely. into his DMs. <laughs> we recently had our 100th episode of Blank and uh, we we sort of said to ourselves, well, who were we going to get for number, because we got Stephen Fry for number 100, because it was obviously a really oh, good guest. Big name. Who are we going to get for number 200? We, we challenged ourselves to get Michelle and Barack to come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And now I know someone who's got an in. Yeah. I can yeah. uh, I can tap tap you up and see if you can uh, you know. Be like, How's Dave Chappelle? And I have to be like, ah, he's he's fine, he's fine. <laughs> Put on my best American accent. Yeah. Um. Thanks for this. No uh, pleasure. You're you seem to be a man. You follow a lot of people, actually. I do. I think I used to get Twitter wrong. I used to think it was like Facebook where you had to sort of follow everyone back. I quite like it. I I thought it was. You seem to me to be a man who leans into the world. You know, you're, you, you've got a positive attitude. And I saw your thing the other day. You were like, be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind, yeah. <laughs> all the way down. And I just assumed it was part of that kind of attitude of embracing the world. Yeah, it is actually. Rather than I'm famous and screw you guys. Yeah, Which I yeah. Thought was quite nice. Yeah, no, I think I think it's nice to be able to. Well, I love interacting with the community that I've been able to build up on Twitter. So it's nice to have that two way thing. And obviously, I can't see everybody in my timeline, but it does mean that if people have access to me to a certain extent. I can, you know, I I often open my DMs up to people if they want to chat or have a, you know, if people mm. like the other day I said if anyone needs an ear to listen if they want to download, you know, I'm, I, you know, I do that occasionally so people can have a have a you know an outlet um so i think that's yeah that's part of it definitely and i think i yeah i enjoyed that two-way conversation i think otherwise you are just kind of it is a one-way like you say it's a one-way conversation really um you don't have that connectivity if you're just you know you only follow like a thousand people or whatever it might be which is totally fine mm. but you know then it does you're, it's becoming more of a pr thing and not a necessarily a, a conversation yeah, sort of like a broadcast thing. Mm. It, Mariah and I were discussing this before, actually, because I was reading my kids, The Famous Five. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, it never occurred to me why they're called The Famous Five. And I was like, why are they, why are they called The Famous Five? They're not, mm. they're not famous. Nobody knows them. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's because they're a family and they get on famously. And then oh, I thought, what, what yeah, a horrible bastardization of that word. That mm. You know, it's come from... Is Enid Blyton, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Phew. <laughs> Just to out myself as culturally inept. You know, like in her time, famous meant like family. And now we've turned it into famous as in I know you and you know me. Mm. Uh, but it's that's not true. You're not, you're not, you're not famous. Yeah, I totally. Yeah. And I think it's funny, there's quite a lot of words have evolved, haven't they, over the years? That one's a big one, really. That like you say, I I 
you just when you say famous yeah you do you think of celebrity don't you mm-hmm. and the celebrity culture and how much we and often actually how we regard people as well like if you there's something almost regal about celebrity um and how we sort of see put put celebrities on a pinnacle mm-hmm. when when you know like having done the, the podcast we do where we talk to quite well-known people you find out actually they're very similar to everybody else they just kind of yeah, of course they are. yeah. They, they're just they're very successful in their fields and then maybe they're a bit more wealthy but generally they have the same anxieties and neurosis that everybody else does and that's the general theme of the podcast it's a fantastic podcast Thank you. It. really good really good but the general theme seems to be finding these barriers and these blank moments from all these people and you've decided to sort of take all of that and condense it into a book yes so i can't read the book because it's not out yet right i've, I've tried to find little snippets <laughs> of it everywhere i can got a copy here somewhere this is it this is the only one at the moment like oh wow <laughs> right yeah because um yeah, they obviously got like proof copies, but yeah, so it's um it's very lovely to it's always very lovely when you a book you get yeah, the, the real, real thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 somebody who always orders the paper version of stuff. I like to have it in my hands. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've always been more of a physical book person. I can't be dealing with Kindles and things. No. No. And so you took the sort of teachings of all of these podcasts and mm. brought them together into sort of all the areas where people have blanks yeah so i mean something we we has evolved the podcast has evolved i mean it started off very much jim and jim jim who i host it with and produce with he's a stand-up comedian and we were talking about you know i was going through a blank period in my writing process i was trying to write a novel and i was having problems trying to trying to finish it and uh, i was talking to him and he was having problems with getting back into stand-up and the sort of fear of getting on stage and that's kind of the how the how it started really was this idea that we could talk to you know maybe i could ask a few famous people that i've managed to sort of coerce into coming on about how how they deal with those moments because you know like we're just saying like we all have these moments we all have these difficult times and how we kind of get through them and it started off more as a creative thing like talking to creative people what emerged from that is that the premise of blank meant different things to different people. So it wasn't just a creative kind of thing, like a, a block or a, you know, a, a creative downturn or a being off form. It was more about like things like imposter syndrome and grief and public failure and social anxiety. These were all the things that actually caused people to have those moments. Um, and that's kind of how the book evolved. Cause I just thought, well, look, we've got all these amazing concepts now that, that and themes that blank is and what it encompasses and actually, it would be really great for Jim and I to write about our own feelings about those, but then also introduce bits of anecdotal evidence from our guests, you know, from the podcasts and, and you know, offer people a bit of advice and light at the end of the tunnel that actually can get through these moments. Mm. Are the things you've learned, have been able to actually change your life? Have you sort of developed certain life hacks? Has, has the podcast changed you? Oh, huge. What, what, what did you believe when you started the podcast that you you don't believe now or vice versa well i think again that that i that concept of being blank or or or, you know i mean creatively like getting into a difficult place 
with it and then thinking, oh, I can't do this. I mean, that's that's changed my outlook on it totally. And now, I, you know, I'm a lot, lot more easier on myself in those moments, whereas before I would probably beat myself up about it. But I mean, it's just changed me as a person. I, I mean, the podcast has been an incredible experience for me. I mean, I guess at first it was just, oh, we can get to meet some really cool people and have mm. really nice conversations and maybe we'll learn a little bit along the way. But it's really transformed my life because as I was sort of saying earlier, off air, it's it's quite a loose format. We don't really, you know, and every every episode is very different, you know, depending on who we're talking to. And we really try and allow our guests, you know, we're just facilitators, Jim and I, really. It's, it's just to allow our guests really to open up and talk about what they want to talk about and not be directed in any particular way. We don't really structure any questions or anything. Um, it is an open kind of forum almost. But that has allowed us to sort of really delve into, you know, sometimes some very dark times in people's lives. And that has enriched me in, incredibly because you, you, you empathize and you can learn, you know, learn bits of compassion that probably didn't, maybe weren't there before. I haven't said that. I'm, I've always tried to be a very compassionate person, but just, yeah, just being able to learn a bit more about the world and the human condition really, which we all have to kind of deal with. Yeah. I, I think we found our podcast has just increased the chance of serendipity. I mean, it's a much, mm. obviously it's a much smaller podcast and I'm very <laughs> grateful to you for coming on it. Yeah, thank you. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. It's really weird because we, we seem to attract some really great guests, but I just... You have to start somewhere. Yeah, you got to start somewhere, but also I don't care. Like, <laughs> Is that, is that not what it's about? It's not what it's about. I don't think. I think it's about having these, you know, especially at the moment, we just want to connect with people exactly. and talk to people. I think that's the, always been, the, I think at the beginning of, of last lockdown, the first lockdown, Jim and I were like, do, do we want to keep doing this? Do we want to, at this time, you know, do we want to be doing it over Zoom and stuff? But actually we found that quite quickly we, we needed it. Mm. Um, it was, it's our weekly therapy session in a way. Are you quite an extroverted person? No, not at all. No, no, I'm not actually. And I think actually that was something again, that we kind of learned as a family, uh, in the first lockdown that we all quite liked being in our own company and, and, and being at home and not seeing more, I was going to say seeing other people, but actually it's a bit of, I'm a, I guess maybe I'm a bit of a contradiction because I do enjoy doing the podcast and talking to people. So that, yeah, I guess in some respects, I like being at home, but then I can still do the, mm. I want the best, best of both worlds, really, I suppose. What we've discovered in our company is if people who are quite introverted and extroverted. And by that, I don't mean like how much they put themselves, uh, how confident they are, because you can mm. be a very confident and introvert. But somebody like me, I get my energy from other people it's mm. what fires my imagination it it makes me it prompts me you know doing this has made me look at attitudes to gratitude and it's you know listening to mm. you guys and your podcast has triggered all these new new ideas and I, I used to get that by going down the pub and things yeah. and that's just not an option anymore i've been on a clubhouse recently i don't know whether you now, see, I was going to say, because I, yeah, because I have an invite if you. <laughs> oh, well, someone else said about inviting me to Clubhouse and I was like, what is this Clubhouse? And then I saw a whole bunch of stuff yesterday on Twitter came up. Well, it's because Elon, Elon Musk went on there. Oh, and okay. So, um, Legitimised it. He legitimised it. <laughs> and he's also started talking about how he, how he was getting monkeys to play computer games and things like that. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, and moving financial markets with one sentence. And it's like, yeah. oh god, oh my god, the power <laughs> of that man. Yeah, so, no, it's mad. Isn't it? Yeah, but it, what what is interesting on there is that it, it it's come at the right time, and there's this, this sort of need to converse with other people and have all those sort of serendipitous connections, and it's it's a way to do that. It's a mm. way to recreate the sort of pub and just 
bumping into people. I mean, it's called Clubhouse and it's about rooms. Mm. It's a bit of a mix. It's very American dominated. So I think there's some kind of cultural differences. Mm. But one of the things that you do notice on there is that there is this real kind of lean in attitude which I think is quite an American thing anyway, but also people get congratulated for being very open about their vulnerabilities and, and telling people where they have messed up. And there are there are some big celebrities on that platform. So it does seem to be kind of flavor of the month. And your book, my wife said, don't make him think that you don't agree with the premise of his book because I was it, it triggered some <laughs> it triggered some thoughts. So I was like, no, 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 I agree with everything that, that, that they're saying. But there's also an and at the end. And it got mm-hmm. it got me thinking about sort of reflecting on your failures, mm. uh, um, sort of looking at them and putting them under the microscope. When you do that with celebrities, there's an element of, well, they've been successful, but they suffered like I, I am too, or mm. where I am too. But it got me thinking about the importance of sort of reflecting in your, your failure. And I was thinking, yeah, it's sort of important to do that but also to kind of love yourself in the moment now and, and the notion of kind of self-love. I've got your book on a list, even though I haven't read it yet because mm. I, just, I just know it's going to fit in nicely. I've got your book on a list of hundreds of books that I have, which is kind of a core skill stack for life. And right at the top of the, the core skill stack for life. So when I say core skill stack for life, I mean sort of finance, health, business, writing, like I was writing it for my son and my daughter to sort of say, here's all the things that I wish I had when I, when I first started in life. And so I was writing those things and, and I put blank in there and I have the name of the book and then I have the kind of core skill that it helps you build up. And when I got to blank, I wasn't quite sure, but I think it's going to go into the gratitude category. And it's interesting because gratitude and self-love are the two top skills in my list. Okay, that's interesting. But without gratitude, you you know, it doesn't matter how much fame or riches you build up. It's all worthless, right? If you don't appreciate the things you've got. Uh, and then the second one, self-love and and reflecting on your failings is is a form of gratitude for who you are now and in the moment, not what you will become. And I started writing a blog post sort of inspired by reading around your, you know, listening to your podcast, reading around your stuff about the importance of self-love and it and it, it got me thinking about narcissism and <laughs> you know does the world really need people who love themselves more and actually yeah it does because it, the, those two things aren't aren't the same particularly when people's businesses are struggling particularly when they're struggling mental health to not only see it as hurdles that everyone else overcomes but also to be content with where you are in the moment and when I started researching that blog, I searched for um, avoiding looking in the mirror. And it was amazing how many blog posts and articles and things there were about how many people avoid looking in the mirror and avoid looking at their, their failures. No, and I think, um, I mean, the book touches on a, a lot of the things you're sat, you are talking about. Um, and, and interestingly, you just said about that thing about being in the present. That's something that I'm always, and funny, 
we had a conversation on the on the podcast with Sanjeev Bashkar and we talked about the idea of being a dweller in a certain area of your life. So it could be that you're, you know, you're a past dweller, you're someone, you know, and there's that kind of, I think there's it, it, the Dalai Lama or someone came up with the idea that, you know, the past is obviously quite destructive because you're, you know, you're always looking back and it could, you could, you know, it can lead to depression. The future can lead to anxiety because you're always thinking ahead when, and the present is such an important place to stay. And, and perhaps, you know, during the last kind of year or so, that's something that we've had to refocus on is trying to just take things one day at a time and and see the present as something uh, to embrace and, and and try and stay in that in your moments a little bit more so that's one thing but yeah certainly gratitude is a huge part of I mean my outlook in general in life and and, and in the book I know come on Marcus Brigstock didn't it yeah so I mean yeah we talked about gratitude he, he, he's um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying he's a, a recovering um, he's been to rehab he's a recovering addict and part of his um, recovery is a gratitude list that he does every day and he's been doing it for like 20 odd years um and does it religiously every every morning he writes a, a gratitude list and it's something that as a family we've done over this period we sit down at, for dinner together and during dinner or just as we finished we do a thing called the good the bad and the the gratitude yeah this is funny because i i think this is how you started following me because I, or, okay or vice versa because mm. we do rose rose thorn bud okay I've heard of that, but I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like two things that were good, a thorn, a thing that was bad in a day, and a bud is the thing you're looking forward to. Yeah, so yeah, very similar. Yeah, and I mean, it was. it's kind of like um, our, our youngest has quite severe dyslexia and his self-esteem can be quite low at times and he very much focuses on uh, on more negative things because, you know, he struggles with school and and, and, and life because he, you know, he very, very, finds it very difficult to read and write. And so it kind of was spawned from that really, trying to sort of give him a bit more self-esteem, trying to get him to focus a bit more on what, you know, the good thing points in his day rather than the bad things. Um, so yeah, so we each say like one good thing, one bad thing, and then one thing we're grateful for. And it's so empowering. And I think also mean it leads to discussion. And that's the thing that's really important about it is that, you know, it leads to an open discussion about whatever is going wrong for us that day or whatever's going right for us that day, you know? Um, and I think that's something I would beseech anyone to sort of start doing. I know it's not always easy, but mm. any kind of gratitude list or, or just, you know, little mantra you can give yourself each day about, you know, those, those good things that you've got going on. And I think that does lead to a healthier mindset. I mean, when, when, when I looked for that staring in the mirror thing, mm. it fell into two camps in the end. One was you should look in the mirror more and accept yourself for who you are, which is my camp. And I like that approach. And the other was, I'm removing, I'm going on a mirror diet and I'm gonna remove, okay. and I'm gonna remove mirrors from my life because I don't want to be constantly confronted with mm. the negative image of myself. And it's something because I, I consider that narcissism. I was thinking about uh, old um, Rimmer and the cat in Red Dwarf and how the cat is actually my kind of narcissist because he actually, mm. he doesn't need anyone. He wouldn't have an Instagram account, right? Because he's self-love. He yeah, loves, him, yeah, he yeah. loves <laughs> himself. He's like, I'm the boy. Whereas Rimmer is, cares intently about what other people think of him. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. he's full of self-loathing. Mm. And, <laughs> and so that's a kind of the issue, not an issue with the book, but where in my brain, I struggle with this idea of kind of looking at your failures and putting them under a microscope if it's not to accept them and be content with them. If it's to continuously remind you 
of your failings that's a, that's a different thing you know if it's looking in a mirror and going i'm fat i'm overweight i'm i'm not going to do it you never get started if it's looking in the mirror and going yeah i like those lumps i like mm. them where they are that's fine it's not, not like i'm not going to aspire to change and things but it's a, it seems like a healthier place so with your book i kind of in my head i've got it in this sort of it's an encouragement to stare at those those blank spots but also combine it with accepting it yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's about embrace embracing those you know embracing those moments um when we spoke to dawn french she had gone through a difficult time i think her father taken his own life when she was quite young and she said that uh obviously it was a very difficult time but she really leaned into that moment and that would really struck with me actually that the idea of leaning into those bad moments when actually often you don't you want to run away or hide under a cover mm. actually to lean into it and use it and use that energy in a different way um perhaps to drive you forward rather than to to sort of use up the energy in, in a more negative way or in it, it so i think that's something that we've tried to embrace in the book yeah like to show your flaws and be you know we all have them um and to empathize with others that have them we're not coming up with solutions for these things, but we are saying, well, look, this worked for me. It's not won't work for everybody, but it might work for you. Or this thing mm. happened to me, you know, this might help for you. So it's, it's kind of that sort of thing, I suppose, which I'm sort of not very eruditely explaining. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's cool. The fact that you've even written this and the yeah. fact that you're tackling this, I think is really important anyway. So you're saying that in the book there's, actionable ideas against each of these things so i'm just looking at some of the headings here public failure imposter syndrome grief social media sleep social anxiety creativity parenting education mentors switching off and the power of conversation so some of those areas are where people have blanks and mm. um, things like imposter syndrome in those chapters is it the things that you've learned about how to overcome them yeah so in each chapter we obviously we tackle these big subjects um and it's jim and i separate voices talking about our own experiences of those things where they've, where they've occurred in our own lives and each chapter has a sort of anecdotal kind of story whereas that has been something that has um you know maybe been something in the press or or, or a famous incident with someone who's who's experienced that thing and then there are bits of trans well paraphrased kind of bits from the podcast where our guests have told us about their moments of it and either what they've done to overcome it or or just their experience of it it's not like i say it's not always solutions are coming up it's just sometimes to empathize mm. and show that those these things occur in nearly you know and everybody has something there's something in, I mean, hopefully there's something in this book for everybody everyone's experienced mm. something it might if it's not imposter syndrome it might be public failure or social you know whatever it might be yeah and, i think i've got the full set you know <laughs> yeah, well, I do too. I mean, the fact, well, I, when I was writing it, um, thinking, yes, I've had this one as well, and this one, uh, and oh, I've, I've had this yeah. one quite badly, um, <laughs> and yeah, and that was—I mean, it was very, you know, it was very cathartic writing this the book, and I think Jim mm. found that as well. You know, we we dug in, and again, that's part of, maybe part of process process for ourselves is that we, we were able to, and again, going back to that thing, Dawn French says we were leaning into these things and digging into these things in ourselves, and able to be very honest. I mean, you know. I've talked about some very dark moments in my life in the book and and I'm glad I did you know I'm glad I put that stuff out there because I think it's important to be able to share those things if you if you feel willing to um so yeah it's, it was an amazing experience writing it and um hopefully like I say hopefully it will resonate with other people oh I think it will 
this is a funny thing. I feel like I, I, I half know what's going to be in the book, but I half don't. So I'm looking forward to, to reading it. I'm, I'm more confident that I should stick it in that gratitude and self-love category. Yeah, I think I'm. there is a lot. Gratitude comes up a lot in the book, I think. Um, even sort of, yeah, even not uh, obviously. Like there's these kind of like underpinning a lot of, of a lot of the book, I think. Um, and yeah, certainly I'm, I'm a very grateful person. So, I mean, hopefully that comes across in the writing. Um, but yeah, certainly like gratitude is a, is a big part of my life and I'm very grateful to be where I am and have the things that I have and having come from quite meager beginnings, um, and a difficult upbringing, then, you know, I'm very grateful for where I am now. Mm. Where did you come from? What's Origin your... story. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm born and bred in, um, East Sussex. I live in a little town called Seaford, which is very pretty actually. I mean, it's a nice oh, part yeah. of the world to live in. Um, my my mum and dad live in Worthing. Oh, okay. So yeah, just along the coast. Yeah, Eastport, that's sort of Eastbourne way, isn't it? It's yeah, it's more, yeah, sort of in between Eastbourne and Brighton, I guess, geographically. Mm. So yeah, lived here all my life. Um, I lost my mum when I was six. She had leukaemia and then um, was ill for sort of pretty much all my, you know. That's the subject uh, of your sort of first non fiction book isn't it uh, my yeah. yeah my my fiction book um it's 150 days it's semi-autobiographical because there is there is fictional elements to it but yeah certainly it's very much um right. about that time and and sort of the aftermath as well uh, of that time it was very difficult um my dad was an alcoholic so and we ended up living in a one-bedroom flat um with my nan sleeping on the sofa that's all sort of documented in a book mm. um so yeah it was difficult teenage years were particularly you know hard anyway um yeah. and then having that as well on top you know and not really you know didn't i felt i struggled at school um sort of left school without with just one gcse and and then was like very lost and um dispirited for many years before sort of finding music and then i joined a band and and wanted to be a rock star for many years and that was <laughs> kind of my i guess my initiation into creativity and being creative but yeah yeah my upbringing was tough yeah i won't i won't um, i got a sugarcoat in anyway it was it was difficult so yeah so it'd be easy to just come away from that feeling like that i'd been hard done by or mm. you know or to feel entitled to stuff mm. because i'd been through i mean that's a thing like people don't forget like you've been through difficult times you've there's an element of you thinks you're entitled to good stuff because you've been through bad stuff, but that's not really the mm. case, is it? So, so I am very grateful for where I am now to be able to do things I'm able to do and and to be creative and to find you know to flex my muscles in that way, having come from that those difficult times. I've heard this um, a few times. People have come from like a painful place and it's sort of inspired them to succeed in some way. I mean, I feel very lucky. I came from relatively, I mean, still state school scrubber, but. <laughs> came yeah. from came from a happy home and you know pre pretty well off parents i guess but there's the guy the money saving expert mm, martin lewis yeah I, I think he also lost his parents very very young at school and and that kind of need to provide for himself and others sort of drove him on drove him down that road of, sort of self-dependency i guess yeah it's um it's a remarkable thing that it does to you really i've in later years i've kind of seen it as a bit you know, grief is a bit of an awakening to other possibilities. But I think during the, the midst of it, and you know, like I say, particularly when you're, I think I, I was, I sort of suffered most when I was in my late teens, probably like even leading up to sort of early adulthood. Those were the darkest kind of times because you, I think they're quite dark times anyway. We're always a bit lost, aren't we? I mean, I've talked to people that have come out of university. I mean, I didn't go to university, but uh, and you're a bit like lost. You don't know what you want to do. You've often done a course that maybe you're not going to end up doing as a career and just feeling a bit of lack of 
drive and, and knowing where you are. And I think I found those years particularly tough. And again, that kind of idea entitlement, thinking I was entitled to to be successful in some way, even though I hadn't really worked at anything just because of the circumstances I'd come from and learning that quite quickly that that isn't the way you go about stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think it's quite, it's, I've heard from quite a lot of people who've, who've lost parents when they were young that, you know, that is, it's a driver in some respects. And like, like I say, as an awakening to new possibilities, um, as tough as it is, and, you know, it's just never something yeah. that goes away entirely. It's not a lesson you want to have to learn, is it? No. No, no. And if, you know, obviously I wish circumstances were different, but, you know, you have to kind yeah. of make, make the most of the ones you're in. I feel like I'm talking about some really dark subjects here. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I'm always happy to talk about it, to be honest, because no, it's, it's, I mean, it's part of, it's part of me. It's part, yeah. part of what I give back now, hopefully. Yeah, I think you do. You, as somebody on Twitter, you are very positive, generally speaking. My wife always says, oh, Twitter, like, it's just like a horror, it's like doom scrolling. And I said, not for me. I've got like this really curated list of the hyper positive people who are really supportive of each other. And you're one of them. And there's a lot of other people. In fact, I think I've got you on notifications. So I get, I get more of that that positivity like oh thank you zoomed in <laughs> it goes back to that gratitude thing you know i feel very grateful for what i have you know it would be very easy to feel like like say hard done by or like pissed off at the world um but you know i i do feel grateful and i want to you know if i can give back that gratitude and show it regularly because you know i am genuinely really grateful about you know where i am yeah well what i like is that you've you have that mentality but it's also led to some amount of fame and success in in your career and actually people who are contentious and are negative tend to attract I don't know, well it's a better way to sell stuff you know it's a better way to sell newspapers it's a better way to sell to be a mm. shock jock on the radio and um you know sort of like the government's done this wrong on vaccinations or you know it it's a much easier way to get power and fame yeah i think it's i do i like i think yeah i think it's um i think it's draining being like that all the time i really do you know i i'm like everybody i'm you know i'm i'm a lefty liberal who is like annoyed with what's going on in our world. Um, I think we've had a bit of an upturn recently with Trump going, but like, you know, I, I despair like as anyone, but it is draining and it's, it, it affects me if I, if I'm going to continuously put out sort of angry sort of, you know, and I do occasionally put out, you know, like political stuff, I I kind of sway from it as much as I can, but you know, occasionally do, but it's a, you get, you know, you get barrage of kind of abuse sometimes for that. But also just, yeah, it just weighs on me. I'd rather, much rather put out sort of positive news stories and positive things or, or little mantras or just stories of connection or whatever it might be. Um, I find that much more satisfying. Yeah, well, good for you because yeah. you're, you're a beacon of light. Yeah, <laughs> in a dark time. It is dark and grim and mm, February-ish. Great. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad, this is bad enough time of year anyway. Exactly. Like, about, pandemics going yeah, on exactly. things like that yeah and i think we all do we need to lift each other lift one another up you know i think it's like i say it's very easy to just be down on everything mm. yeah but why not lift each other up you know give each other a hand and we are good generally most people are good you know yeah, there's a handful of people that. that are bad but most people mm -hmm. have got good in them or, or good intentions so yeah just show it more i always believe that people 99 if you just selected 99 people out of a room of 100 
like they're all going to be good people <laughs> who who are kind like systems are bad yeah systems make make people angry and lash out and things like that but not not people they're good i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of our job we speak to lots of psychiatrists and things because we you know we sell software to the nhs mm. well we are a half nhs owned company as well so that makes us a bit weird as we just started talking a little bit about healthcare, but also society in general is how do you think the society and healthcare and businesses and everything are going to recover and move forward after this pandemic yeah i mean there's been a lot of talk isn't there about this sort of and everyone keeps going on about the 19 how it's going to be like the 1920s um and i think there'll be an element of that like people will be rushing to go out for dinner and all that kind of stuff yeah. if there are still restaurants and cinemas and um theaters still open um i mean that is the worry is that a exactly. lot of these these things that we were, you know, that we enjoy doing will not be around to do that. So I think there is an element of that. I think it's going to, obviously it's going to take a long, long time. And again, I think it's that, what we were saying earlier about coming together and, and working together and, and, and piecing the country back together. It's that word together. We've got to, we've got to do this together, you know, and I think um, it'd be very easy to just start, you know, I mean, obviously we've started the blame game already and I think there are you know, there are things we could, uh, certainly there are th things the government could have done differently, of course. I think the time for blame when this thing is done it should be late, later down the line. I think we need to work together to, to, to get everything back to as normal as we can. And then then we can start to look at what went wrong and, and, and who, you know, who could have done more at what, at what point. And I think we probably all know, know that anyway. So I think, yeah, I think it's going to take a long time. Um, obviously, and I think there's obviously going to be an awful lot of anger and resentment and um, out there. And I think it, that again, that is not we need to feel that energy in another way somehow. Which is, you know, it's easy, it's easy for me to say that, but um, I'd like to see that occur. Yeah, I think it is just that case of, of community spirit and stuff that we 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 started to see. We did start to see it in the first lockdown. I think. This one, we're, we're, there's a lot more, you know, we're a lot more drained by what's going on, I think. And and like you said earlier, like the time of year is not great and that is, it has an impact. But I think um, if we need we need to see some more of that kind of community spirit come back and and hopefully we can rebuild together, you know, our our, um, mm. our country. And I think that's part of it, really. That sounds a bit, um, maybe sounds a bit wish-washy and, and a bit um, uh, head in the clouds, slightly but um i think you know and, and and it starts with 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 things like you know with social media and things like that we need to you know be, be kind to one another yeah. Mm. but yeah I'm, I'm you know i'm still hopeful that we'll you know i think it's been a huge time of reflection for everybody so i think i'm hoping that some of those reflections will continue to occur as we as we come out of this and that people do look at how they've been living and the way they do things and, and maybe we'll change some of those things as we go forward that's my hope anyway yeah same i definitely don't yeah. want to get into a rut where we just go right back to how we were and we've learned nothing yeah well that's it it's taken oh, mandatory hugging for a year it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like social distancing no shaking hands just straight into hug. i like the idea that you you must hug people now. Yeah. But do you know what? I saw um, a, a video yesterday and it's the Isle of Man. I don't know if you've seen this stuff, but they've, yeah, you know, because they're self-governed, they've, they put in a very strict lockdown and they've come out of, and, and it was, it was families meeting in restaurants and hugging each other. And it was so beautiful. 
And I thought, mm. oh, well, that's, that's something to, to look forward towards. Um, um, but also went to show that if you put a tight lockdown in, you might be out of isolation. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we won't go down that yeah, route. My, my uh, brother and sister-in-law live on the Isle of Wight. Oh, did why, okay. why, did, why didn't you just like cut it off? And he was, he was like, yeah, there were a lot of people saying exactly that. Yeah. They got, they got red squirrels. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. wow. They can get rid of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, exactly. So then it was quite uplifting, but at the same time, yeah. But it'd be easy to think about the negative things in that. But it was it was great to see these people coming together and, and hopefully that is something we can all keep our fingers crossed for very soon. Yeah. And we'll be much more grateful for those things. At least initially. Yeah, I keep banging on <laughs> yeah. about gratitude. I'm grateful for gratitude. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's well, gratitude is an amazing thing. It's an empowering thing and it's an it's an amazing thing to have if you can and and hold on to um and it's something i've tried to hold on to for for many years and and will try and continue to because i think it is it's um it's a wonderful thing and i think it does yeah it does change your outlook on life i think it's being grateful for yourself though that's why i was thinking about the well, second yeah. one is self-love you know you mm-hmm. should be grateful for who you are because you're 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 a positive character in this world i wish more of us were like the cat in Red Dwarf. I wish yeah. more of us were, because I felt like being trapped on that ship. I would rather be with the cat than Rimmer. Oh, big time. Because the cat, the cat comes from a good place. Like he's going to bounce into that room, like knowing that he's a good guy and he's, he's on firm foundations. When you're running a marathon, having people cheering you on from the sidelines, have you ever run like a long distance? Yeah, run? I have. I did the London Marathon 2016. Well, funny enough, this is interesting actually you say that because I got to, I was a little bit late getting to the start line, um, the start bit, and I had the last bus that you can throw your gear onto was pulling yeah. away. And I, I just lobbed my bag on. And then as I was walking down, I was like, oh no, where are my headphones? <laughs> no, I've been doing all this training. We've and I'd have set up yeah. some playlists and I got some audio books and all sorts of you know this is messed like, up oh, the plan. Oh, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get through this without <laughs> this? You know, um, and you know what? Within half an hour of running, I thought you were so glad. Yeah, because you had you had people shouting your name. I had my name on my top. You know, shouting your name and responding and and high fiving and all that stuff, and it was so brilliant. And I'm so glad I didn't have my headphones. Yeah. Because I would have shut all that out. Exactly. And it actually yeah. probably would have been far worse an experience. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't brilliant, brilliant anyway. We are not designed to run that far. I don't know. It's, I don't know why people uh, do it. It's just we're like we're just out of the trees. We're chimps. Yeah. Really. And we we've only just started to learn to walk on the ground. And here we are trying to run twenty six. Ridiculous. Miles. Just Stupid. ridiculous. Yeah. Bad yeah. for you. Yeah. It, totally. Don't do it. Don't no. do it. But do have people cheering you on because yeah. that's really lovely. But that's what I mean about like if you if you have that in your head, if you're the cat running the marathon, yeah, exactly. you, don't, you don't need everyone else cheering you on because you're no. cheering yourself on yeah. internally. Exactly. You've got this. No, no, the cat. I, I funny enough, we've recently started watching what Red Dwarf again actually oh, with, the, with the kids. When the kids like, get older, you can watch the stuff you want to watch with them. Well, yeah, like, it's well, so I'm good, on my man, little yeah. pony at the moment. Lars <laughs> <laughs> well, are 11 and uh, 13, so they're ripe oh, for man. like stuff Perfect. like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we've started watching Red Dwarf and they really love it. But uh, yeah, I really admire the cat. I, like, I think he's just an incredible character and he, and he lifts the spirit of the he show does. when he comes yeah. into the thing. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think, yeah, I'd much rather spend my last years on Earth 
which I guess they're doing yeah. with um with the cat than than Rimmer or even Holly. Holly's quite downbeat most of the time. So you know, even um yeah, even Holly, unfortunately. So yeah, the cat is the is the is the He's uplifting the beat of that show. Yeah, it's hooray for that kind of narcissism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that self love narcissism, not the. Nothing. Outward, I want to be appear to be better, <laughs> but secretly self-loathe myself. Why did Why did you agree to come on this? Like I always ask this, especially when we go lots of really cool big guests. <laughs> I well, I was just, like I say, like I like it's just nice to chat to new people. Uh, hmm. You know, I'm always interested to um, to do things like this. One because you you know obviously you get to talk a bit about yourself, which we all kind of like a little bit. Yes. That that nice narcissism we were just talking yeah. about. Um, but yeah, just to, to to chat to new people, it's always really enjoy- that's been part part of the reason why I like enjoy doing the podcasts I do because you get to talk to people you haven't talked to before and learn a bit about them, and you often find out something about yourself. And it's a chance for me to tell you how I think you're a positive influence. See, yeah, thank this you. is the thing. I feel like I love people more than they love themselves sometimes. Not you, because you seem like a strong character. But well, you know, yeah. I often find this. I'm like, you go, you. Go, you. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of me and I'm happy where I'm at. But I also feel like that about other people. Yeah, and some. I mean, yeah, I guess we all have like days when we don't feel like that. But yeah, generally speaking, I, I yeah, <laughs> I feel I'm doing all right. You know, I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't complain to you. know, I can't complain. I certainly can't complain. But yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, um, but anyway, yeah, that's why I wanted to come on. Really, was to 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 meet you guys and chat to you. Good, thanks. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate. There's that. a lot of that going around. We had um, a lot of people say, "I just want to pay it forward," basically. So yeah, yeah I get really excited with podcasts. I end up writing loads of notes, and I'm like, "Oh, I want to ask them this and this." Oh, I do it's too. Great fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm 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 totally with you. I mean, when they, I remember listening to the first ones when I first got an iPod, which is you know, I suppose mid noughties. And uh, Ricky Gervais and the Ricky Gervais show was a big one that was sort of... Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like XFM, wasn't it? Yeah, time. and then he'd done like that one, the one with Carl Pilkington and Stephen Merchant, mm. I think it was off the back of the office. And I thought, I really want to do this. And I worked in a toy shop at the time. I was still doing stuff with the band. And there was a lady that worked there who was really eccentric and she was a bit like my Carl Pilkington. She would say sort of really random stuff. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a podcast with you and we're going to record <laughs> yeah. it. And we recorded it some, we recorded, I just asked the questions um, and we recorded it. They had a little tape deck at the, at the shop that, yeah, and with the radio that we used to use. And I just recorded, I don't know what happened to the tapes, but that, and then, but then I had no idea how I would like release it or anything like that. Anyway, Fast forward sort of 15 years and I, I thought I'd, I really still really want to do a podcast and yeah, and I, and I love it. I love doing it. Is this your main job now, podcasting? Yeah, well, um, yeah. And well, I'm obviously writing still my my sort of first gig really um, and my first love. But yeah, I do um, I do a bit of producing for some other people as well. So um, obviously I do blank and I do a little bit of positive with Julia Bradbury, which is um, which we do together. And then, yeah, I produce a few more commercial um pods for businesses and stuff so yeah i guess it is it's my, it's my main monetary work i guess um mm. writing's not something you can not necessarily make a living from but um it's obviously still my first love mm. yeah what got you into writing why did you decide to start writing well it came out of the so i was i was in this band um in the late 90s early noughties and we were doing quite well we were touring and we did a few big festivals like glastonbury and Central Festival in Bristol and we were really we had a management company helping us and we were really close to getting a, a deal a record deal and um, 
the singer who was in the band, he, I think he just had enough of the slogging around the country. It's hard. It's hard graft being in, you know, just jumping in a bat in a transit and going around Britain. It's hard. You know, it's really hard and, and quite demoralizing sometimes when you go into like driving five hours to Bradford and there's two people watching, <laughs> you, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, we just, I think we, he just had enough of it and wanted to do something else. So he left the band and the, the kind of band, I suppose it's, we, we kind of ca- tried to carry on and find a new singer, but it didn't quite work out. And so the sort of dream died and it became, yeah, the music stuff became more of a, I guess, more of a hobby and not, not a career choice. And then I, found out my wife was pregnant with our with our first and I thought well I've used to write lyrics and stuff I'd like to do something I thought you know at first I think I thought oh I could write a song for him or something just something sweet that I could you know mark this occasion of having our first child and then I thought oh maybe I could write him a a story and make a like you know rhyming kind of things and that's I think you know quite a lot of children's also start that way they find out they're having a child and they want to create something for that child it was a dream just to have my own kind of story wasn't even thinking about getting it published, but my own story that I could read to him, you know, in that lovely time you have, you know, the um, bedtime reading kind of time that you have with your children, which is such a special moment of the day. And um, that was kind of the dream. And then I ended up writing a couple of things and I did send them out in the end and was very lucky to get a a book deal. And then now we're like 10 books later. So it's um, just, I would say luck more than judgment um with these often is the case with these things but yeah i really enjoy i've really enjoyed doing the writing and um and then yeah obviously i had a novel out beginning of last year and that's something i'd like to do more i'd like to write some more novels and and the non-fiction as well which i've enjoyed doing so oh, just looking what a mess i look yeah <laughs> it's like wondering what you're looking at you talk about reflection <laughs> i mean i love it for it that's why i've got a hat on because i straighten yeah. my hair yeah. for you guys you look wow. good yeah um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm telling myself I look good, so even if I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm like the cat. Look in the mirror. Well, I think I think yeah. it's good, don't worry. <laughs> we always ask everyone at the end of our podcast, but if there's one thing our listeners should know, what would that be? Well, going back to our, um, I guess what we were talking about quite a lot about this, um, this idea of failure and stuff, and I think, you know, obviously we talked about gratitude as well. I think that's obviously an important thing to try and establish in your life. But when you do have a moment of what you perceive as failure because not everyone will perceive it as failure. I think it's really important to, to take something from that moment and, and try and use it going forward and not to, not to see it as a step back, but actually a chance to step forward. We learn so much from those moments in our lives when we, things don't go quite to how we want them to be. Mm. Um, Whether that's because it didn't reach our expectation or, you know, if something went, you know, if something went terribly wrong, but I think those, those are learning curves for us. And I think it's really important to use those moments. And I think they are, sometimes they can be, you can perceive them as gifts, you know? So that's how I would kind of like to say to people is just, yeah, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up too much. If something goes wrong, see it as an opportunity to do something differently next time. Yeah. That's good. Lovely. That was a good one. Start yeah. off the cuff. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a big question, isn't it? What is the it's most really... important thing you can say really quickly? <laughs> well, I thought, you know, well, you know, it'd be nice to sort of refrain, you know, um, yeah. do a refrain on what we've already talked about, you know. So, yeah, if we can come back to that full set. But no, so it's an important one that I've, you know, it's taken me a long time to realize and to put in place. I mean, I don't, I don't always get it right, but yeah, I think it is important to embrace those moments sometimes 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you to all our listeners who tuned in to today's episode of Sardisms. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And remember, everyone faces those discouraging moments regardless of status. Just listen to the Blank Podcast and you'll hear lots of examples. You can also find out more about Sard by visiting sardjv.co.uk or send us a tweet on Twitter at sardjv and use hashtag Sardisms. Until next time, have a great week. Great week.